Hello, this is the Organic BC Podcast, and I'm Jordan Marr, an organic corn grower from the Okanagan Valley and the show's current host. What you're about to listen to is a re-release of an episode originally produced for the 2022 BC Organic Conference. I hope you enjoy it! In this episode, we've got guest interviewer Emma Holmes. She's our sector's industry specialist at the BC Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Fisheries, and she interviews Drew Yates, a pest and soil specialist with ES Crop Consult, based in the Lower Mainland. This is part two of two. Here, Drew provides IPM advice for new farmers, Emma and Drew talk about BC's Plant Health Lab for diagnostic support, and Drew describes some field guides that her company has recently produced for growers. That's it from me for now. I'll talk to you in a bit. All right, what else? What's going on? Yeah, so um, one of uh, the projects that I think might be of greatest interest to listeners is another project, another multi-year project. Uh, we're in the final year this year of developing um, IPM field guides that are tailored to small-scale mixed cropping operations. Um, and that's been a really exciting project. Um, and I, I've been able to be a part of that. It's been, um, a really wonderful process. The, uh, field guides that were developed, we really worked in collaboration with, um, growers throughout the Fraser Valley and the Pemberton Valley as well. So, uh, they're kind of specific, uh, information to the Sea to Sky, in the Fraser Valley regions, but there's a lot of information that uh, I would say is is transferable to other regions around around BC. Where would I find them? Mm-hmm. So we developed uh, 12 of these uh, different field guides, and they're available right now through uh, the Climate and Agriculture Initiative of BC. So if you were to Google that, they have a website and on their website, there's a tools and resources library and that's where they are listed. And in that library, you can use all sorts of different search functions to specifically find different topics. And the topic um, it's listed on that page is pest identification and management. So they're all listed under that category. Um, can you give an example of one guide and like what it covers? Yeah, absolutely. So um, all of these guides, I will say they the the pests that we chose and then also the the crops that we chose, they're sort of meant to represent um, as many different uh, crops as we could. But we were also selecting pests where either some form of, management or some form of monitoring would be really effective. Um, so for example, we, uh, there's a, a field guide for carrot rust fly. Um, and the first bit, it goes through um, the uh, life cycle and identification information. There's a section about uh, monitoring so how to actually look for this pest the most effectively. And in this case, this is another example of trapping. Um, so there's a description of the protocol that you would implement for trapping. And this is a pest where uh, trapping can be quite effective for you to be able to determine 
A, if you have this pest, and B, if you do have it, how you should time your management the most effectively based on that trapping information. Um, and that's not, you know, you can't always use traps. We're really talking about traps quite a bit. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is a situation where you can can use traps effectively for a pest. Um, and then after that, it talks about the decision-making process. So for some pests, there are um, action thresholds where once you have a certain level of that pest that you've detected based on your monitoring, that's when you know you need to implement some sort of management. Um, but there's not always a really clear-cut uh, threshold that can be utilized. And so uh, the field guides kind of talk about what is the, the level of risk that you are trying to mitigate or manage to try to help you think about what is the decision-making process specific to you and your farm and your operation. And then the last bit uh, in those field guides provides uh, specific information about uh, management tool options that, again, not all of those tools are going to be ones that maybe fit for your particular farm system, but you can pick and choose. And again, emphasis on trying to utilize multiple approaches to managing any particular pest. I'm checking out the Caterpillar and Coal crop guy mm. right now these are really beautiful images like it um very clear helpful Good. in identification i'll link um i'll link these in the show notes if i'm able to do that so that um, listeners can access them easily that would be um, fantastic yeah Thanks so much great information here i'm glad to know about these yeah, and truly a lot of uh, there's quite a bit of information um that is informed by growers by the growers that we collaborated with and um i think that yeah one of the things to come out of this project in working so closely with growers to develop them is that there are certain areas of management that could almost use their use their whole own field guide with like best practices for example for managing um uh, insect netting or row cover in some way. Um, and we, we, di we did not do that, but I, I think that there's a lot of opportunity for uh, growers to be sharing information with each other. That That's something that really struck me in the process of, of creating these field guides. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at the, how row cover is the physical control here and it says to properly secure it. Um, and I just want to talk to a whole bunch of growers about what they do and what's working for them. I get that question a lot. <laughs> and yes. maybe that could be, we could have a farmer to farmer knowledge share and I'll just listen in. So I have answers when new farmers <laughs> reach out. I think you say sandbags here and that I've heard farmers talk really highly of that because they can put them on and off easily. Like digging it in is such a hassle to get in there and yeah, that can be such a challenge with um, row cover is actually, you know, you want it, it needs to be secured very closely. You don't want to be letting pests in because once they get in, then they're able to establish it very happily all around their food source. Yeah. But you do inevitably need to get into that row uh, at, at least once, probably many more times than once to do things like 
weeding and like ongoing harvest for certain crops. And, Mm -hmm. um, that can be really challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you can feel free to, to cut this if you don't think it's the right thing, but, uh, yeah, uh, the, the sandbag thing in particular, that was something that came out of this collaboration with growers. And like, I think that's an example of, of that grower sharing of information, like shouts out to, to Gemma and Doug from Zacklin Heritage Farm. Uh, they, you know, that's an example of a piece of information that came from someone who had found a system that really worked for their particular operation. Awesome. And yeah, it's so cool to include it in the guide. Mm-hmm. Um, um, another thing related to this small scale IPM field guide project um, is uh, we're still working on exact dates, but through the month of February in 2022, we are um, also going to be doing a series of uh, workshops related to those field guides and just about IPM on small scale operations in general. Um, so my, my colleague Marjo Desero and I will be facilitating those. Um, and yeah, like I said, <laughs> I don't have specific dates and information, but um, that information will uh, be available through uh, the Climate Action Initiative. Um, so uh, if you are subscribed to any of their services or uh, another reason to go check out their their uh, website to, to find information about those upcoming workshops as well. And um, would it be one workshop on caterpillars and coal crops, one on carrot rust fly? Is that kind of So we're idea? planning uh, to likely separate the workshops into uh, kind of commodity groups. So there will be a workshop about um, small scale uh, berry production um, for integrated pest management. And then there'll that will be separate from uh, the workshop that we do about field vegetables, um, just because some of the, the pest dynamics and the approaches are a bit different, as well as like, you know, the, the groups of growers that um, might be most interested in those things will, we're expecting maybe be a, diff- a bit different as well. So that's the plan is to split based on that. But um, yeah, it wouldn't, we won't just talk about one pest or one crop. It'll be a small grouping of crops at the very least. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Me too. I I love doing um, that sort of workshop facilitation work. So I'm excited about them as well. Okay. One, well, two Mm -hmm. more questions. Um, If I was a new farmer, like, or what, I remember when I was mm-hmm. a new farmer um, and I didn't actually get much, I didn't get past the new farmer stage and I got hit pretty hard with pests um, and I found it really disheartening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are some IPM strategies you recommend for farmers when they're just starting out? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So as a new farmer, one of the things that you won't have direct access to um, or experience in is like knowing how that particular field or farm dealt with pest issues in the past. And so I would really encourage you to get information about 
that field history, especially as it pertains to pest history. And yeah, either through previous farm managers or owners, or if that's not an option for you, uh, if there are kind of neighboring growers that you're able to talk to, they won't be able to speak to exactly what's going on in your fields, but they will be able to speak to sort of general pest population dynamics and pressures that they've experienced in that area. Yeah, I would say that that would be a really great place to start. So you kind of have an idea of some of the main things to prepare for and expect because so much of IPM is about prevention and taking those steps outside of the growing season to set up your system uh, the best ways that you can to be able to prevent things from getting out of whack or from issues entering your field in the first place. There, Of course, things will happen in the field season that you will need to respond to in the moment, um, but you want to do as many preventative actions as you can leading up to the season. What's a preventative action you can take leading up to a season? So, for example, um, if you know that uh, there was really weak uh, growth in your cucumbers or your, uh, your melons or something like that, um, and you're not really sure why, um, you don't even necessarily know exactly what was going on, um, but you think it was a disease, Doing something like really putting a lot of effort into your um, uh, your variety selection for really strong rootstock to resist certain types of wilts um, is, is a great step that you can take. Um, setting up plans to know that, oh, I am going to probably need to cover my tail, for example, because of uh, crucifer flea beetle damage. And that's just a really high pest pressure thing that, that people experience here. Making sure that you've ordered and have a, a plan and a procedure for how you're going to cover instead of having to scramble at the last moment um, because you're seeing a lot of damage and you're not really sure what to do and then it's a panic situation. Even doing things like uh, making the choice to, to graft your tomatoes um, onto stronger rootstock uh, because you know that's going to make them more vigorous and resilient in the face of um, certain soil pathogens or just in the face of stress in general. Yeah, those are some examples that there's a, there's many, but those are those are a few. That's that's great. That's very helpful. So yeah, it sounds like really just knowing what you might be up against <laughs> and doing everything in your in your power in your time in the winter to to prepare, make sure you have the resources in hand and maybe setting your plants up a little bit differently. I want to plug the plant uh, plant and health lab that um, is offered through the Ministry of Agriculture. It sounds like a big part of IPM is knowing what yes. you have so you can plan and do things differently and so if you do notice in season that you're 
you're having a disease issue or a pest issue and you're not sure what's causing it. Um, it's pretty affordable. It's um, quite subsidized. So I think it costs like $20 a sample and you can send it in. And we have, um, we have plant health experts who can determine what the disease is, what the pest is, and then provide some information about how you could prevent it moving forward. Um, I remember I worked with several organic producers in Lillooet. They sent in samples from, it seemed like everyone was having some issues with greenhouse veg, and we thought maybe it might be the same thing. And then what was so interesting is that they all were having greenhouse issues and it was oh, wow. all different yep. diseases and required different management. So sometimes you're like, oh, neighbor, what's going on? Okay, I'll do, you know, one person sends the test and you all start doing it. But in this situation, the management was quite different. So it's always yeah, good to Yeah, identification is so important. Um, yeah. <laughs> not all diseases uh, behave the same and, you know, they don't all respond to the same management. And that's, you know, certainly true for all insects as well. They're all, it's, they're so different. And um, there are some management approaches that can sort of generally have an impact on many diseases, for example. But if you're struggling with one in particular, it's really important to know what you're, what you're up against. And, I, uh, it is my job to look for and identify these things. And there are plenty of times where I need to send samples to the plant lab, um, especially for diseases, uh, just looking at mm -hmm, symptoms, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes is not enough. You need to get it. Mm -hmm. Cause sometimes similar exactly. symptoms are caused by very different yeah. things. Yeah. So you can find the plant health lab by, I think just Googling BC plant health lab but also you could email me and i could connect you in and help you through that process if you haven't used it before I that's great it. emma and i think i think something that can feel really intimidating with um taking a sample and sending it to any lab is um not being sure of how you're supposed to do it um and like what mm -hmm. the process really is and so i would encourage people who are feeling that as a barrier and feeling intimidated by that to yeah reach out to emma or whoever your industry specialist is that's that's close to you to to give you some pointers on that because yeah it can be really really worthwhile and um there are people who can who can help you navigate that for sure mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and also send in pictures mm. so i am not an IPM specialist myself at all. But if you send a picture into me, there are um, entomologists working in the ministry and I can, you know, send it to them or they might say, okay, we need this more information or they might know exactly what it is. And there's so much, uh, so much great knowledge around. And so if you are struggling, a picture is worth a thousand words, just, you know, Take a quick picture, send it to me, and um, hopefully we can help you with that mm -hmm, identification mm -hmm. piece. That's great. Um, can I add something to uh, the question about, you know, tips for new growers? Hey, did you know that all of the music for this podcast is the work of, like, a pretty big deal in the jazz world? And did you know that the artist is the dad of one of your colleagues? I'm talking about jazz flutist Matt Eckel and his daughter, Aubin Banwell, co-owner of Spray Creek Ranch in Lillooet. 
A big thank you to Matt, who not only let us use the recording you're listening to now, but also recorded seven different transitions for us for moving between segments. If you want to listen to Matt's music, our intro and outro song is called Grand's Blues. The album it's from is called Flute Jazz, and Eckle is spelled E-A-K-L-E. Thanks again, Matt. Yeah, so this 100%. isn't necessarily a tip for new growers, but in speaking about that, it just made me think about, you know, people who are not necessarily new growers, or maybe it's not your first year at a certain farm or on a certain um, location. Um, you have the distinct advantage of knowing a little bit about the field history and about what's happened um, on that farm. Um before in the previous season. And so um, what I would really encourage uh, people who are in that situation to do um, is to take the time in the winter as a part of your planning to really look back on your previous season to learn from what occurred. Um, So what were the management strategies that seemed to work really well for you? What were the issues that you had? Um, and how can you plan and prevent for the next season? I'm really driving home this uh, prevention thing <laughs> strongly, but it's just so important. And and I think that, yeah, there's, there's such an important learning process to be done. Um, based on your previous season and and what you did for management and every every farm operation is unique and particular and so that exercise is so important to know what's been going on specifically for you and your farm um, rather than just deferring to general recommendations um, that might be floating out there Mm -hmm. so I yeah I think part of why this stands out to me is I um, was doing some uh, IPM instruction uh, with Kwantlen Polytechnic University this past summer at their Richmond Farm School. And that's an exercise that we did at the end of the season um, was to to look back on the season and try to remember what had happened and to talk about what, what would the students do um, differently Uh, if they were coming back next season and a lot of students were really struck by uh, how hard it was to remember what had happened Um, so yeah I just I would encourage people to to use that notebook whatever it is use your phone throughout the season to take those notes for yourself about what has taken place and and really spend that time in the winter looking back about um yeah, thinking about what lessons you can learn and implement for the next season. That's a really important piece that, um, yeah, sometimes can get missed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, then a season. Yeah, and I feel that (laughs) too. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but yeah, the importance of going through your notes and and taking even just the most basic of notes throughout the season so that you can remember and go Mm -hmm. back and work Mm -hmm. on it. 
I was I had the privilege of touring Wild Flight Farm mm -hmm. um, in the North Okanagan and such a beautiful farm and it's like so tidy and clean and the crops just looked so great um I didn't see a lot of pest issues he uses a lot of uh wonder mesh it used to be called wonder mesh now it's called something else and it's sold through um uh mm. Dubois but he was saying for a long time he there were so many crops that he was just struggling to grow it was this real fight at the beginning when he started the farm I think over 20 years ago now and then you know slowly as the years went by they would have you know, an intern who was like, oh, why have you heard of this? Why aren't you trying this? And and now it just looks so good. It looks so beautiful. But that's that process of, yes. there, of learning. And and now with, you know, changing, we have to be able to to roll with more, you know, we have to be even more resilient, but just the more tools you have and the more you've seen, I think. The yeah, absolutely. And that's where like trying out a tool yourself um, on a small area, uh, it's sort of like an ongoing process. Yeah. Cause a tool that someone maybe swears by for the way that they manage their aphids, for example, um, maybe, uh, does not fit for you and your farm for whatever reason. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, you kind of got to keep trying stuff yourself directly. You're not really going to know until you do it yourself. But yeah, maybe mm -hmm. try it on a small scale before you go big. <laughs> yeah, with something in case it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. And um, my last question, I really, I know ES is an IPM business mostly, but you're getting into soils. You're getting back to your soil <laughs> <Yes>. roots. <laughs> um I'm curious to know more about what you're mm -hmm. offering. Yeah, so um, this is, yeah, very thrilling for for me and my inner soil nerd. Um, um, yeah, so ES has been providing integrated pest management services since the 80s. But in terms of mm, nutrient management or soil sampling services, it's more so been something that ES has done as a one-off, you know, based on requests from specific people or for certain projects, that kind of thing. But we have, um, as of this past season, started offering nutrient management services as their own regular packages um, for growers. Uh, we've been doing it in the Fraser Valley for this past season. We're hoping to um, open up that service to folks in the Pemberton Valley. That's, that's where ES is based out of. So unfortunately, um, yeah, we're not doing those services elsewhere at this point in time. Um, the services we've been doing, uh, have been focused on fall soil sampling. The fall soil sampling that we're doing, um, functions as like a, kind of like a report card for the season. So it lets you know what your nutrient status is in the soil at the end of the season, post-harvest, what's been left over. And we can look at that in combination with knowing what your inputs were for that season to see, okay, how did we do in terms of um, accuracy with meeting crops needs based on what we 
also added to those fields. So again, like a report card. Um, another aspect of doing this fall sampling is that that information from the fall, those soil nutrients are not going to change that meaningfully um, between then and the spring when you're going to be deciding what your inputs are. Um, except for nitrogen. Nitrogen will change, but actually that fall piece of information is, is going to give you a bit more inf uh, useful information as a reflection of your nitrogen management than the values that we tend to get in the spring, especially in these high rainfall areas where we end up losing uh, a lot of nitrogen through the winter time. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, the another reason that uh, these fall sampling is being the focus right now is um, because of some changes to legislation that have come through recently through the environmental, uh, the agricultural environmental uh, management code of practice or the AEM code, um, which uh, has some requirements for growers around a number of things related to nutrient management, but Particularly, um, what we're focusing on is, is there's requirements for soil sampling at particular intervals and having post-harvest nitrate levels that are, do not exceed um, a certain threshold. Uh, so those soil sampling requirements w are being met basically by the, the soil sampling packages that we're providing right now. Um, and this is something I've, I've like wanted to do more soil work through ES ever since I started working here. And so this is on a personal level, something that's really fulfilling. And um, I'm so thrilled to, to get to be doing this work with growers. That's great. And so any growers in the lower mainland who are interested in working with you, um, they would reach out to you through ES and kind of talk about what packages are offered and that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. So there's contact information through our website at escrop.com um, and they can get in touch um, uh, through there and we can provide more information if they're they're interested in, in the nutrient management packages that we are starting to offer now. Cool. Yeah, another... Uh, info for the AEM code is that um, those soil sampling requirements as well as other requirements that fall under the code uh, are applicable to basically all farm operations that put nutrients onto uh, their fields um, that are above two hectares in size. So organic, conventional, whatever, basically if it's more just based on total area. Um, and that's, yeah, total area. So if you have fields in multiple locations, it would be cumulatively uh, if you have over two hectares of farm um, that these, these AEM code things apply to you. And there's a lot more information, um, obviously, than what I am just touching the tip of the iceberg on here. So if you have more questions about that, I would really recommend going to the Ministry of Agriculture website um, and checking out some information there. But um, yeah, I guess 
part of the services that we're offering through ES with our soil sampling is that we would be meeting the requirements in the AEM code as they pertain to, to your soil sampling. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of things to try to make sure you're doing the right thing for and we can make sure that we are doing the right thing for you in that regard. Yeah. And farmers outside of that region, if you have questions about the what's required of you, um, please feel free to reach out to me um, and I can help get answers for that, that process. Um, and for all producers, it's over that two hectare in size, it is required that you do tests um, for your records. So it's not that you're sending anything in to the ministry. It's that you are taking tests for your own records. That's a really good point, Emma. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for bringing up that regulation. It's yeah, no problem. an important one and a new one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Drew, thank you so much for joining me. It was so nice catching up with you and hearing more about what ES crop, uh, what you've been up to with ES crop. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I uh, always love talking to you, Emma, yeah, and you this too. is no exception. So, yeah, thank you. Oh, thank you again. Thanks, Emma. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Right, that's it for now. I hope you like that, folks. And a big thank you to Emma and to Drew for providing us with that really interesting conversation. If you want to find your way over to the website for ES Crop Consult, you can find a link in the show notes. That's it. So why don't we finish things off with my four-year-old son, Levon, reading clauses from the General Principles and Management Document for Organic Certification. 8.2.4 Pacific Cleaning, Sanitation, and Disinfection Requirement in Clause 7 of this standard supersede those specified in 8.2.